Sabbath's treasures in heaven, God's treasures on earth. Shalom and welcome to the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations weekly Torah commentary series. I'm Rachel Wolf from Congregation Beth Messiah in Cincinnati, Ohio. This week we're discussing Parashat Bahar. The portion begins at Leviticus 25.1. And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. This week's Parsha, Bahar, on the mountain, covers the laws of sabbatical rest for the land of Israel as well as for the people. The land comes into its proper purpose when the people of Israel are its custodians. The scripture is clear that the people do not own the land. Israel is merely its appointed steward and guardian. The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. Leviticus twenty-five twenty-three. The land belongs to the Lord. The land is an important biblical character in its own right. As we have seen in previous readings, the first portion, the tithe, always belongs to the Lord, whether of produce or animals. In Bahar, Israel is commanded that every seven years the land is to be given a holy Sabbath rest. After seven periods of seven years, the fiftieth year is to be a super Sabbath, in which everything is restored to its proper place and proper relationships. In Leviticus 25.10 we read, You shall consecrate the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. The land is to lie fallow for the fiftieth year. The people are to return, each to their original land allocation from the Lord, and, if indentured servants, to return to their family. The whole economy of Israel is based on this, the Jubilee year. There are many statutes in this portion about selling land ethically, based on the number of years left until the Jubilee. This means that the economy is built on the idea that nobody actually owns his land. It is, in effect, a leasing system. When you buy land, you pay for years of use. The land belongs only to God, yet each tribe and family has a designated portion to inhabit and take care of. Israel's time also belongs to the Lord. The people of Israel do not own their own time either. Their daily, weekly, and yearly time belongs to the Lord, and he has commanded, above all, to keep the Sabbath a holy day unto God. In fact, the further we dig in, the more we begin to understand why the Shabbat is so important. All of the various kinds of Sabbaths link Israel's holy purpose to the very beginning, to creation. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. That's, of course, Genesis 2, 3. The Sabbath is not only about physical rest. It is also about laying aside land rights, time, goods, and every other thing to the Lord as a way of expressing trust in God and in the future that is in his hands. Let's now take a look at the Haftorah portion. Jeremiah 32 
helps us to tie all of this together. In Jeremiah 32, 1-5, we learn that it is the 18th year of Babylon's terrible siege of Jerusalem. Jeremiah is in King Zedekiah's house prison because he has been prophesying that Judah will not succeed in overcoming the Chaldeans, Babylon. In this week's Haftor portion, which is Jeremiah 32, 6-27, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah in prison, telling him to do something very specific and very odd. The Lord tells him that his cousin, Hanamel, is going to come to him and say, Buy my field, which is in Anatot, which is in Benjamin, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. See Leviticus 25, 25-27 on the right of redemption. When this happens exactly as the word of the Lord said, Jeremiah knows he should buy the field. I am going to quote this passage at length because it shows how serious this land transaction is and to what lengths Jeremiah goes to to make sure his deed is perfectly legal. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle who was in Anatot, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver, and I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses and weighed the money on the scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and the custom, and that which was open, and I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Machseah, in the presence of Hanamel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Why did I say this was a very odd thing for the Lord to ask Jeremiah to do? Because Jeremiah clearly knew from the Lord and had been prophesying for years that the land he just purchased was shortly going to be captured by the Chaldeans burnt and trampled upon mercilessly for 70 years, Jeremiah knew he would never live to inhabit his rightful inheritance. So let's look at what these four things have in common. One, Shabbat. Two, the land of Israel. Three, the people of Israel. Four, Jeremiah's land deed. Shabbat. All of the various Sabbaths, whether the weekly Shabbat or special festival Shabbats, or Yom Kippur, entail faithfully setting aside time to focus on the Lord, our Creator, the land of Israel. This land is set apart or set aside for future purpose by God. It belongs to Him. Each piece of the land is allotted specifically, and one day its nature will be fully revealed and become God's earthly dwelling place the people of Israel. The children of Jacob and their offspring are set apart or set aside for future purpose by God as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's from Exodus 19.6. For the children of Israel are servants to me. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 25.55. And last but not at all least, the fourth thing in my list, Jeremiah's deed. Jeremiah is redeeming his hereditary land and setting it aside as a spiritual investment in the future of the land and the people of Israel. He was fully convinced Israel would again dwell in the land of their inheritance, even if he would not live to see their return. In modern idiom, 
God directed Jeremiah, put your money where your mouth is. Jeremiah was happy to fully oblige. Jeremiah's purchase, completed in full public view, was an example to all the people of enduring faith in the promises of God. Here was this naysayer, the one constantly annoying and enraging the king, prophesying that the Jews will not be able to overcome Babylon. Yet, knowing his land will be invaded, captured, burnt, and trampled for 70 years, nevertheless, Jeremiah invests in the future of God's land and people. Treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. Matthew six nineteen to 21 Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jeremiah was storing up for himself treasures in heaven by investing in God's treasure on earth. How can we, in our time, follow Jeremiah's example by investing in God's treasure on earth and thereby storing up treasure in heaven? If we look at the other three things on my list above, Shabbat, the land of Israel, and the people of Israel, we can, together, prayerfully, find ways to invest in those things God has set aside for his future plans or that we are called to set aside for him. This is Rebetzin Rachel Wolf signing off and wishing you Shabbat Shalom. For more commentaries like this one, visit umjc.org slash commentaries.